All right, gals and pals, game on. It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game, or at least find out why he loves it so much. Now your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Well, hey there, Gal Pal Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where I help you understand why he screams at the TV during a game. I'm your host, Ramona Rice. You can connect with me on Twitter at Sports Gal Pal and, of course, at SportsGalPal.com. And gals and pals, congratulations. We have made it through the NFL regular season. Woo-hoo! And now it's playoff time. It's basically a reset. It's a whole new season. None of the regular stuff matters at all. It's all about how you play week after week because you play you win or you go home. And with me to break down the Walker games is from Next Man Up, one of my favorite super fans. It's James, the Texas Houston super fan. Hello, James. How are you? Howdy, Ramona. I am doing great. My Texans actually squeaked into the playoffs this year and are hosting a, uh, a playoff game, which is something they haven't done in a couple years. And so it's very exciting. I've got my Saturday morning all planned out. That's exciting, yes, because you're on the West Coast, even though you're a Houston Texans fan. Um, and while the most of us will be watching it in the afternoon, you'll be watching it in the morning. So, yes. Barely in the morning. No, it's like 12.30 your time. That's not too bad. Uh, 12.30, I think. Uh, it should actually be like 10.30, shouldn't it? No, it starts at 4.35 p.m. on ESPN. Oh, well then, I guess I'll have to get my uh, my morning drinking done a little bit later. There you go. There you go. So, yes, let's, uh, let's talk about that. I know you're excited, but it's the Chiefs coming into town. Yes. So it, what, what's really strange is if you go back to, like, the, the first half of the season, both of the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs started off as two and five teams. Um, they're very similar styles. They have uh, – We'll, we'll generously refer to it as a limited offense from the Houston side. Uh, Kansas City has a much more uh, dynamic, at least compared to Houston's offense, uh, much higher ceiling. But both teams rely heavily on their defense to cause pressure, cause turnovers, and uh, basically allow the defense to win the game and just hope that their quarterback isn't going to cost them the game. Um, Kansas City obviously ended the season on a 10-0 and win streak. But Houston quietly put together a 7-2 and streak with their only two losses coming against uh, a Bills team in Buffalo and then the New England Patriots. So they may not come in nearly as hot, nearly as, uh, uh, nearly as much of a pedigree as the Kansas City Chiefs, but I think they actually will give the Kansas City Chiefs a game of it, and that's because what the Texans do well is defend short passes, which is what the Kansas City Chiefs do as their bread and butter on offense. So they have to get after Alex Smith. It's something that they did not do terribly well in their week one matchup, uh, which Kansas City ended up winning 27 to 20. And that score is a lot. uh, It lies a lot. They were up 27 to six at one point. Houston got some garbage time touchdowns, but um, we didn't have a, full complement of healthy secondary players. Our secondary was still starting to merge. We had revamped our offensive line in the offseason. And so now, finally, at the end of the season, our offensive line looks like they can block just as well as they did last year. Uh, the past week, which against you know the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars, we were able to average nearly five yards per rush. Um, there's no way we're going to do that against the Kansas City Chiefs. But if we can just keep constant pressure on them, slowly move the ball down the field, avoid Brian Hoyer turnovers, 
then I, I can see us staying in this game and maybe even stealing it. It'll just come down to who, who creates turnovers or which quarterback is going to commit the, mo- commit the most turnovers. So um, I, I was a lot more pessimistic until I started the write-up for Next Fan Up. After I did the write-up, I'm actually going to say Houston's going to win this 20-17, to 17, and I've probably got about six points baked in as a homer. Wow. I, you know what, though? Looking at the offensive comparison on NFL.com, I'm looking at it. Um, you guys are actually pretty evenly matched up. Now, passing yards per game, you guys obviously do more. But again, that's because of the short kind of dunk passes that um, they typically use. And I would not allow Alex Smith to throw anything more than like 10 yards because we all know it happens. It becomes interceptions. Um, rush yards per game, um, you guys have no running game, it looks like. But... I I'm just looking at 100 yards per game. That's not a lot. Um, No. And then, then, but here's the interesting thing: for third down conversion percentage, you guys are pretty much equal at 38 percent each. In fact, yours is slightly higher. Yeah, uh, a lot of our numbers got inflated. We had some uh, garbage time games, uh, so that inflates our third down numbers slightly. Uh, But yeah, they're they're very similar offenses. Uh, we will take a few more shots down the field, but that's just the advantage of having DeAndre Hopkins as our number one wide receiver as opposed to throwing to Jeremy Macklin. That's very true. Also, but here's the other thing. On defensive comparison, third down conversion allowed. You guys only allowed 28% of third down conversions compared to the Chiefs who allow 33% conversion. So that's, I think, where it's going to be the the game changes is if you guys can convert in third down. And that that's the most key down. Like, you know... If, if play, teams can do that, teams win. I mean, that that's the bottom line. You convert yardage into getting down the field and you get into the end zone. You do that, you win. It's, it's not hard. I mean, on paper, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just I feel like sports fans, you know, particularly football fans, especially the casual ones, they, they're always looking for like the big play where, you know, you sling it down the field like a zillion yards and, and you run and you have big play. I'm like, no, really the best games and the best teams are won by those inches and you, you just get them each time. So, I think, again, if you guys can just grind it in and, you know, maintain Alex, I think you guys have a shot. Home field advantage is no joke in these situations. And, again, we were talking about this off air. I'm very familiar with Andy Reid in the playoffs as the Eagles. And I'm going to be a little – thank God um, Kansas City Nick from your show never listens to my podcast uh, because I'm about to say something that's going to make all of the Chiefs fans really mad. Um Part of me really hopes Andy Reid blows it this game because I need to feel better about the Eagles' decision to fire him. Um, I, I need that in my life, James. And I'm, I'm, I'm not above saying that. I really want them to prove that I'm right, that Andy Reid, when he gets into playoff mode, he just kind of like, huh? I mean, he gets like that. It's very, it was very frustrating as the Eagles fan. Yeah, I think you guys were definitely right moving on from Andy Reid, not necessarily because he was a bad coach, but because he wasn't taking you guys any further uh, I mean, granted where you guys were, were uh, NFC title games or at least the playoffs, but uh, he, he seems like a coach that can get you uh, not quite up to the mountaintop, but up to base camp at least. Uh, the depressing thing about the Kansas City uh, third down allowed stat is that they played most of the season without Justin Houston. It looks like Justin Houston's going to be coming back as well as uh, they got Tamba Hali nicked up a little bit, so two of their big pass rushers, and the Houston Texans did lose their... Uh, Pro Bowl caliber left tackle this past week to a uh, season-ending injury, so that um, it, it, that doesn't bode quite as well for us. But it's exactly like you said; both of these offenses are predicated on just slowly moving down the field. They're not going to get a bunch of big plays. Exactly. So, yes, um, I am probably, unfortunately, I'm probably taking the the Chiefs on this one, though. 
I think. Um, they're just, they're, they are playing very well. They, they are playing very well. Um, again, I hope, cause I like the Texans. We've talked about this and I don't dislike the chiefs. I just don't trust them. Um, and I haven't, um, you know, and again, so that's just me. And really, I just want to take the opposite side of you. So, and you're the guest. And of course you're going to fit the Houston Texans because that's your team and you should do that. So moving on next game is I'm so excited about this because it's basically, you know, a rematch of what we've seen the past couple of weeks and that is the Steelers versus the Bengals um it, the big question for me was you know is that that Andy Dalton I don't believe he's playing right I, I that's from what I've seen he got the cast off and they're saying all the right things that he may play but that I believe is probably just going to be more of a smoke screen so that the uh, Pittsburgh defense is going to have to prepare for both Andy Dalton and AJ McCarron um, it, it looks like it's going to be a very similar matchup to what we had, I believe, three weeks ago in week, uh, I'm sorry, four weeks ago in week 13, which was actually the week that I, uh, made my first appearance on your podcast. That's right. So, uh, not a whole lot has changed since then. Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh had that embarrassing loss, uh, in week 16, uh, but Cincinnati has just kind of seemed to f- struggle to find traction ever since losing Andy Dalton and getting, uh, AJ McCarron. The one thing that I'd be very interested in seeing is if A.J. McCarron starts this game and they win um, and Andy Dalton is able to make it back in time for the divisional round, would they go back to Andy Dalton, who has not won a playoff game, or would they just stick with A.J. McCarron and let uh, Andy Dalton recover a little bit more? See, that's my question, too. And I forget which who I was asking. One of the many, um, it probably was Tim. Let's be honest, because I talk to Tim every day. Um, the Atlanta Falcons super fan from Next Fan Up. Let me, Gal Panisha, y'all know who Tim is at this point. I don't need to explain Tim anymore. Um, anyway, I think I was talking to him, and he goes, no, you go with, like, Dalton, and he's your franchise quarterback. I'm like, I don't know if I would, to be honest with you, because... No, if if the, the dude from Alabama with the hot wife or girlfriend or whoever she is um, can get the job done, then do that because we've seen Andy Dalton in the playoffs. It's not good. He kind of loses his mind a little bit. Yes, he does. Uh, but, you know, it, it is the playoffs, and so what's often overlooked is that you're playing against, you know, the, the top teams in the NFL at this point. So, you know, Andy Reid, who's a very successful uh, playoff coach, not to – you know, pour salt on the wound or go back to that. He only has a 500 record as a playoff coach at 10 and 10, uh, but he's still considered a very successful coach. You, you, you play much better competition. Um, so yeah, Andy Dalton has definitely struggled in the playoffs and struggled in primetime games, but you know, they paid him this off this past off season and, uh, or a couple off seasons ago, I suppose. And, uh, you know, if he's really, going to be your franchise quarterback you're going to have to put him back in this isn't a Peyton Manning situation where he's at the tail end of his career and you know your, your young rookie may actually or not rookie young fourth year quarterback may actually be the better option at this point yeah, that's true that's true looking at the offensive comparison um, again, it looks like Steelers actually have a slight bit of an edge when it comes to total yards and passing yards per game, but that's no surprise. They've got one of the best wide receivers in the game. Um, but then rush yards per game, it's kind of evenly matched again, which is very interesting to me. Um, third down conversion, slight edge to Cincinnati and time of possession, slight edge to Cincinnati. So they are well um, matched up. And I think, again, having Andy Dalton not in the game really puts a favorite towards the, the Steelers. But they are playing at home for the Bengals, so um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Um, but I think this is going to be one of those kind of because these teams really hate each other, which is good. It, it's good for football for teams to hate each other to also play against each other. 
Yep, this will be the third time they met this season. The road team has won the previous two matchups. Um, and, you know, I think Pittsburgh is going to come away with the win in this one. Uh, the, the nice thing that the Cincinnati defense does is they take away deep passes. Uh, so uh, Ben called out Martavis Bryant, who's their, their speedster deep threat, um, this past week, how he has to toughen up for the playoffs. So this may not be the game for Martavis Bryant, but they're going to probably tailor their game plan to allow Antonio Brown uh, to catch some shorter routes. And once Antonio has the ball, you know, great things can happen. Unless you're a punter, then you get kicked in the face every once in a while. Um, <laughs> D'Angelo Williams will also be a huge difference maker. Hopefully he can get back from that little uh, uh, ankle injury that he sustained this past week. Uh, but I, I see Pittsburgh going into Cincinnati and ending what started off as a very promising Bengals uh, season. I know. I kind of felt bad. I, I, did, I, I didn't think they would make it to the Super Bowl, but I didn't want it to be because of injury. I wanted it to be because I was right and their coach can't get them to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an awful person. I'm, I'm really, really bad. Uh, yeah. You have a vendetta against coaches, I feel. I just, you know what? I've been burned by them this year. I'll be honest. I'm not even going to lie. Um, I've been, you know, again, I was Mike London at UVA and then I was Chip Kelly'd. Um, so no, I don't like any coaches unless... They, they're better i i just know at this point can you know i kind of like the i think i should root for the nba because really they don't really have coaches anymore it's the players that do things at least in lebron's case so maybe i should go that route <laughs> well, so you wouldn't be a spurs fan with greg popovich then i don't know greg popovich is a whole entity in itself but i mean you know, the spurs are their own exception to every rule um they are the exception to every world because, like, if you look at, like, the, just the sheer age of their players, there's no fathomable way why they're still relevant in the NBA. Like, it's it's, it's crazy to me. Um, they must have found the Fountain of Youth, and it lives in San Antonio. So, yes. But just enough to play enough games to get to the playoffs. No more. Because they like exactly. to rest. Because they need a nap. Oh, I, I think they just like aggravating, uh, well, David Stern and now Adam Silver when they, you know, we're going to purposely rest our players. We'll just pay the fines. It's all right. And then uh, San Antonio is a small market. It's going to just kill the NBA finals ratings. So we're going to get there time after time. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's a conspiracy. Maybe they're part of the Illuminati. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Um, Seattle versus Minnesota. So Minnesota, you win the NFC North. Congratulations. You get to play the Seahawks. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, you know, I just, I don't know really if they want anything or not other than home field advantage. That That's about it because I'm looking at the offensive comparison and yeah, Seattle's offense blows them away by far. And while the defense actually for the Vikings is not that great. So yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe they should have threw it so they could play Washington. Who knows? <laughs> well, so Minnesota has finally gotten a lot of their secondary players back. Uh, so in their defensive secondary, excuse me. Uh, they got torched by Seattle. They got torched by Arizona. But they were also missing, you know, three or four of their key contributors on defense. Uh, you're relying on Teddy Bridgewater to, to basically play an Alex Smith type role of he's going to have to make a couple throws a game. And, uh, you know, just to keep them in the game. And then they're going to rely on Adrian Peterson. Uh, Seattle was able to really shut down Peterson in their previous meeting this week, or this week, this year. And uh, I'm not going to say that Seattle's going to hang 38 points on the Vikings again, especially up in Minnesota. But uh, the way Russell Wilson has been playing, I think 25 touchdowns and only two interceptions in the past six weeks. Uh, it, 
it looks like they had a, a big addition by subtraction by losing Jimmy Graham as if now we can go back or they could go back to their brand of football prior to trying to shoehorn Jimmy Graham into the offense. Uh, another bad thing for Minnesota, good thing for the Seahawks. It looks like Marshawn Lynch is going to be back in time for this game. Uh, he's practicing this week after having um, it, it. They're saying it wasn't sports hernia surgery, but it definitely sounded like sports hernia surgery. Uh, so he's coming back right at the at the right time, just in time for the playoffs. Uh, Seattle's a very scary team. They have a great defense, and I see them going into uh, Minnesota and uh, ending the Vikings season. Uh, this will be the first outdoor game for the Vikings, outdoor playoff game in several years since they've uh, mostly been playing in the Metrodome. They're playing in the University of Minnesota stadium uh, while their new stadium is being built. Um, so if, if you want to go off a track record, uh, Seattle is a little bit more accustomed to playing outdoor, cold weather, kind of crappy games. And uh, the forecast for this weekend looks miserable in Minnesota with the game time temperature about six degrees. We might get snowball. We might get snowball. That's exciting. <laughs> Yay. I, sorry. I love it when you can't see like the goal lines and, and everyone's slipping and sliding. And that's going to be huge because again, that run game is so important for both teams. Um, but again, I feel like Seattle with Doug Baldwin, they have more options than um, the Vikings do because the Vikings pretty much have Adrian Peterson. Let's be perfectly honest with you. Cause I don't really like either or any of their wide receivers in um, Minnesota. So that's the challenge with Minnesota is that you, you're, it's kind of like the, the New York Jets, I mean, Giants, excuse me. We all knew Eli was going to throw it to Odell Beckham. I mean, who else was he, what else was he going to do, realistically? You know, and that's what happens when you have, like, a team that that's all they do. It's like the uh, Saints last year. Hi, I'm going to throw it to Jimmy Graham, you know. So, absolutely. Um, I don't see how Minnesota gets past it. But stranger things have happened. I mean, you know, you never know. Um I feel like too. Seattle still has the ghost of Brady past in in their um, mind, um, so I think they desperately want to get back to a Super Bowl. I think, and I didn't know if they were going to or not, but like always, they kind of surprise you at the end and they get their stuff together. So yeah, we, it, it will be a good game. Oh yeah, another thing working in the Seahawks' favor is that it looks like their uh, their uh, rookie punt returner Tyler Lockett is finally locked in. And uh, last week in the Arizona game, he accrued 139 punt return yards on four punts. Uh, cold weather games just make for some nasty, nasty special teams games usually. And uh, it's a huge weapon, even if it just gets into the Minnesota uh, heads and coaching staff where they can go to punt it out of bounds. It's a lot easier to shank a punt out of bounds, and all of a sudden you're giving up 20 or 30 yards of field position uh, you know, on, on special teams. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Final game of the weekend is Green Bay versus the Redskins. So Green Bay, you lose and you don't win your division. Congratulations. You get to play the Redskins and you'll probably beat them. I hope so. Um, Please, dear God, Aaron Rodgers. I have had, again, a crappy week. Um, work today was not fun. Not even going to lie. Not going to go into it, but it wasn't, it wasn't the joyous place it normally is. Um, UVA basketball lost to Virginia Tech. That's horrifying, and it's very sad. And another reason why um, work today was not fun. Um, and the Eagles, again, we're just dealing with the nonsense that is still Chip Kelly. We still have to deal with that. So um, 
Green Bay Packers, I've been very nice to you. I've not called you out and you're Eddie Lacy not producing anything. I've not really talked about how, you know, you keep tricking me when I was playing fantasy football and James Jones. All the weeks that I benched him, he had mass, bad points. And weeks I started him, he had nothing. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, your girlfriend, Olivia Munn, is my girl crush. If I were a lesbian, that's who I would want to date. So I'm just saying, dear Aaron Rodgers, beat the Redskins for me. Not even for the cheese people, just for me, because I'm selfish. And I don't want any join the NFC East at all. Did you like that? Well, I, I did. I, I, yeah, you uh, like that. You like it, that. It, yeah. Unfortunately, Kirk Cousins also likes that. Ugh, uh, God, I hate him. I don't really hate him. Actually, I do. He's from Michigan State. Yes, I do. <laughs> well, Kirk Cousins has actually been the better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers this year, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, He's got a better complete better completion percentage, more yards. He's thrown a couple more picks and one or two fewer interceptions, but they're both right around the 30 touchdown, 10 interception mark. Um, it, it looks like Kirk Cousins has decided that this is the time for him to cash in on his skills. He's going to become a uh, free agent at the end of the year. He's going to get paid by Washington or franchise tagged. Uh, since the return of Jordan Reed, their uh, tight end, he's gotten, you know, Jordan Reed is out uh, is outdoing any of the Green Bay wide receivers, uh, 950 yards, 11 touchdowns. Uh, the best Green Bay receiver right now is, you know, the aforementioned James Jones, and he's under 900 yards, under 10 touchdowns. The running games are about the same. It's uh, everybody's saying how the Packers are just going to flip the flip the playoff switch and the Washington Redskins are going to wake up and realize that, you know, they're the Washington Redskins. They won a weak NFC East division, and it's just their their job to roll over for the Packers. But uh, in what's going to be, uh, it's not an upset because the Redskins are actually favored. But just from a, a consensus pick, I think most people are going with the Packers. I'm actually going to say the Redskins are going to move on, move on to the second round of the playoffs, much uh, much to your chagrin. No, I just no, I I need a win. Damn it, <laughs> I need something. No, actually, I need Virginia to take care of business at Georgia Tech. I'd rather them win that than the Washington Redskins lose. I will say that. Priorities, James. Priorities. College basketball's life. Um, looking at offensive comparison, you're absolutely right. Um, hands down, pretty much in every category with the exception of rush yards, um, the Washington Redskins hands down overtake. And third down conversion, they convert 43.5% of the time. And um, third down conversions allowed, um, pretty much the um, Packers allow 35% uh, third down conversion. So again, I, again, I'm a true believer in the third down. Like if you convert third downs, you're going to win the football game. So yes, unfortunately the legit, the logical side of me, I do have one gal pound nation. I'm not just a crazy woman in her closet talking to people on the podcast. Um, I, I legitimately believe that yes, Washington on paper, Washington has all the momentum going to this home field. Um, those fans, those hails to the Redskins, crazy people who dress in dresses and dress like pigs. They really do do that. Um, and they sing their stupid song. It is a stupid song. Um, and it's a racist song. Don't forget that. Um, we'll probably win this game. So, and then probably lose to Carolina. So that's not too bad. No, I mean, at the end of the day, they, they're ending up out of the playoffs. Um, I, you root against certain coaches. I, I strongly dislike, I hate Dan Snyder. I don't think he deserves to have a, a winning football franchise. It's kind of, oh, I agree. uh, yes. You know, for all the all the reasons mentioned, and then uh, just kind of the way he treats the fans and how he runs his particular businesses. No, the so, fans deserve it because they purpose, they still buy tickets. 
fans, if you don't want Dan Snyder to be your owner, stop buying tickets. Stop supporting. Seriously, that's how you do it. Because if he loses money, he's going to sell the team. That, that, that That's just basic business. Come on. It's it's not hard. Well, the Rams tried that with Stan Kroenke, and he's just going to move the team. He's going to keep it. But the, Ram, the Rams fans have stopped buying tickets. Well, I don't blame them. I mean, Jeff Fisher isn't that exciting. And he's still employed somehow. No, you want to know who's still employed? This is a good segue. Oh, so you think Washington's win? Yeah, okay. Good segue. What in the world is Indianapolis on? Is is Ursi back on pills? Because all season long, it has been the drama of when Pagano will leave. Will it be Pagano? Will it be the GM? Now they're all like kumbaya. They had like a little love fest. We all love each other. We're going to build this team. I'm like, all of you must be on Quaaludes. That's the only logical explanation, James. Yeah, you, you stole it. I mean, Ursay is known for his, uh, we'll call them indulgences, uh, his vices. Uh, I have no idea what happened. I, I mean, the, apparently uh, Pagano went in, made a very impassioned speech while Indianapolis was trying to trade for Sean Payton. Um, so the, the trade talks with, Sean, with uh, New Orleans fell through. They didn't get Sean Payton. And uh, from what was being reported, Pagano basically said that uh, him and the GM are tied at the hip. They, they feel that they've put something good together and they want to try and win with it. I'm not entirely sure what they feel they've put together. Um, they're not in a great cap situation. Andrew Luck's rookie deal is going to be running out, which is just going to exacerbate the problem. I know everybody points to the Trent Richardson deal as just a, as an example of just how poorly run the organization is and how they don't give Andrew Luck any weapons to work with. Uh, I mean, it's not just Trent Richardson that they've you know swung and missed on. When you can say that the most uh, successful running back that they've had in quite some time has been Frank Gore, and you know he you know he's not going to be a top ten running back this year. It's it's kind of sad, and it's you know on top of that, very bad to waste a quarterback of Andrew Luck's caliber while he's still on his rookie deal. Because once he goes out and gets paid, that's $10 million or you know $15 million that he's not getting paid this year that you could have gone out and supported either the defense, given him some weapons, you know, given him anything, and instead you're, you've kind of wasted this window. Yeah, I agree. And they will forever, I don't know if it's the Ursa influence or what, but they just don't believe in defense at all. Um, and again, you have, um, I think that the Texans are on the right path. I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like you guys are on a good path. You know, you just injury bug and you guys need a, a quality quarterback. You really do. Like, it's almost kind of bad you guys are in the playoffs because drop position, but y'all need a quarterback um, desperately. Like so I, this yeah th- this this comes up on a, uh, a lot of the next fan up discussions on you know oh well you know who would a good quarterback be are we kind of seeing the end of a of a great quarterbacking era and you know I've always kind of countered with yeah we have Ryan Mallett or we have Brian Hoyer but we also have ten million dollars and I mean you know Brian Hoyer is going to be Brian Hoyer um, he's going to put up similar numbers to say Alex Smith or Sam Bradford but in addition to having you know that level of production we get to you know spend $10 million on J.J. Watt's contract or Whitney Merciless or Jadavian Clowney when his rookie contract comes up. So it would be very nice to have a quarterback. I guess I've kind of rationalized how we can get around not having one. Um, looking at next year and, you know, kind of a, a pie in the sky or, a, you know, just a, a desperation of hope, uh, the New Orleans Saints are already projected to be over the cap. They can alleviate $20 million by cutting Drew Brees. Um 
you know, we're, we're in a position before J.J. Watt's contract really comes in and just destroys us and puts us in true cap hell. Uh, if we could sneak in somehow and get, you know, Drew Brees' last good year or, you know, maybe the last two good years, even if we end up having to pay him for a, a crappy Peyton Manning-esque 2015 season, you know, two or three years down the road, you know, I, I would trade that to try and, you know, win next year or the, the year after that. Yeah, and your, your division is ripe for that because again you've got Tennessee firing their coaches and very well could wind up with Chip Kelly and you know again your compadre Mark Sicko um, the Eagles super fan on your podcast is all like that would be perfect for Kelly he's gonna get that the number one draft pick I'm like yeah they're not gonna do anything I mean, I'm sorry, Mark, they're not going to do anything Chip Kelly's, no. Um, you know, and Jacksonville's starting to kind of get some things together, maybe, but that division's still wide open. Um, some of the other coaching changes, none of these surprise me. Tom Coughlin's out at New York. Um, Giants, that doesn't surprise me. Cleveland Browns, it's two years. It's time for everybody to go. Um, you know, Philadelphia Eagles, I have talked about that immensely. You can hear, I mean, I don't know if you actually listened to me on your podcast. I thought it was very good. I know I'm biased, but I, I think I held my own against Mark Sicko and Pod Vader. My, uh, do you, I had both of them. Um, that's not easy. Um, Miami Dolphins, we already knew about that. Um, let's see who else. Um, I'm going to get to the 49ers in a minute. Titans, of course. Um, you know, and we still don't know about the Lions. Um, New Orleans Saints. So that's what's interesting. The, the, my favorite one was the San Francisco 49ers where, um, you know, the ownership basically wrote this letter and I tweeted it out because um, I saw that your guys' super fan, Charlie, um, tweeted out the letter and I tweeted it back. I retweeted it and I said, this sounds like a boyfriend who did something really stupid going, baby, I promise, come back and I won't do it again. That is what that letter said. And the guy was like, and Charlie's like, no, I disagree. And I'm like, no, that's exactly what it is because you push out a really good coach in Harbaugh and look what happened. I mean, the whole place imploded. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they, they leaked all the stories about how Harbaugh was this hard-ass coach and, oh, you know, he was burning out the players and everything like that. But then, you know, once you saw Harbaugh go, you saw a bunch of retirements from players that you never expected to see. Uh, you know, they lost uh, at least nine players, nine uh, starters in the off season. I mean, you knew it was going to be a bad situation to, to begin with. I don't know why. Uh, you know, the York uh, or York's expected better than a five win season. You get to play Seattle twice a year, Arizona twice a year, you know, even the Rams, uh, you know, twice a year. And, you know, you're not going to go better than, you know, two and four or one and five in the division when half of your starters have left as well as your head coach. Uh, then you turn around and say, okay, our, our quarterback that we just signed to a huge contract, yeah, we're going to bench him and turn to Blaine Gabbert. Um, if, if Blaine Gabbard is the answer to the, to the question, I really don't want to know what the question is in the first place. Um, of all the open positions you have Cleveland, San Francisco, and Miami are probably the three least desirable Cleveland, just because it's Cleveland and they had to beg, borrow and steal to get Mike Pettin to sign up to be the, the coach for the past two years, Miami, because they're going to go into cap hell with Indomitian Sue's contract kicking in next year. And San Francisco, just because, you know, Arizona and Seattle aren't going anywhere as far as being, you know, the tops of that division for the next one or two years. And if your expectation is that you have to come out and be a playoff team right off the bat and you're fighting just to be third in that division with a winning record, um, 
it, it's not a great situation to land in for job security. Definitely, definitely not. I feel like you get unbiased, but I feel like the Eagles or the Giants in the NFC East are both the most attractive just because, again, there's room to grow. Um, you know, and again, when you go to the Eagles, you immediately get DeMarco Murray, which in the proper hands of a good offensive coach, he will be fine and he'll, and he'll be better. Yes, because again, like I said on your show, um, Chip Kelly paid $40 million for him as the GM. So Chip Kelly should have also made his coach adapt the offense to fit DeMarco Murray. Which he didn't do, because that's what good coaches do, is they find really good players to build a team around. Whether it's a running back or your wide receiver or your quarterback, you figure out what they're good at and you you build upon their strengths. You don't try to change them when they're already freaking fantastic. Maybe yeah, that's just I mean, me. Yeah, I mean, it was his first foray into being a GM, and I'm sure he's taken a lot away as far as how no, handing out... Well, handing out contracts is a lot different than handing out scholarships that you can yank from players at any point. Um, I at least hope that he learned something from this past merry-go-round as GM. Yeah, no, he probably hasn't. Um, do you think the Lions are going to get rid of Caldwell? You know, it, it's I could I can make an argument either way. Uh, I probably would just because anytime you look at the sideline and can't distinguish between the head coach and a cardboard cutout of the coach. Um, something should probably happen, you know, just from a, a team view type thing. Uh, it, it never looks good to just have a coach seem disinterested in the game. And, you know, Caldwell, it, it looks like he's scanning a, a menu at 3 a.m. for, you know, the fourth time over just trying to figure out what snack to have as opposed to watching a football game. Um, they, <laughs> they, they turned it on at the end. Uh, they showed signs of being the playoff team from the year before, but, you know, it's, they, they took a step back with very few. Uh, I mean, you lose Indomitian and Sue and you lose uh, Nick Fairley. Um, so you expect a little bit of regression. But uh, I, I think they, the Ford family at least expected them to contend for the playoffs again. Uh, I, I know the, the, I forget which one came out and basically said, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm closer to uh, the grave than I am to uh, winning a Super Bowl. And so she wanted a whole bunch of shakeups. Uh, which is what led to Jim Bob Cooter ascending into the offensive coordinator role. But, uh, you know, everything looked like Caldwell was going to be fired until the last couple of weeks when Detroit looked like a competent football team again. Yep, yep, like a bad boyfriend. All of a sudden he realizes he's going to, like, you know, be kicked to the curb, and he starts sending flowers, and they fell for it. So, you know, and here's the thing. That division is not going to get any easier. Minnesota is going to get better. Minnesota is getting better. Like they already look really good. Um, the the Green Bay Packers will hopefully fix themselves. Though I don't know how long McCarthy has in there. Um, if they can't figure whatever wrong happened, and then the Bears they have an excellent coach. The Bears showed signs of life this season, so that division's not getting any easier. So Detroit had a rare window this year to really take advantage of kind of a weaker division, and they just didn't. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're not gonna get Jordy Nelson you know, out for the year again next year, hopefully if you're, uh, you know, the Green Bay Packers. And so they'll be right back up there. Uh, Teddy's made some good steps this year and everything looks like he's going to progress as a passer. Um, You have to worry about Adrian Peterson just kind of hitting a wall with them. But, you know, they seem to be in position to to win for at least another couple of years. Uh, Chicago, as long as they can retain Alshon Jeffrey, uh, they've got uh, uh, White, the receiver that they drafted. He didn't play a single snap this year, so... You know, even if you lose Alshon, that's not the greatest situation, but hopefully that uh, 
uh, that, that rookie that they missed out on this year will be able to come in next year and either uh, complement Alshon or uh, make it less of a step down. And it looks like they've got uh, good replacements with Jeremy Langford and Kadeem Carey behind Matt Forte. So even if they lose Matt Forte and free up some cap space and you know either retain Alshon or bring somebody else in, uh, like you said, they look dangerous for the next several years. All right, coaches that are safe that should have been in the hot seat. We've already talked about Pagano. I don't know what's going on there. I almost don't want to know. Good luck with that. Mike McCoy with the San Diego Chargers, or should I say Los Angeles Chargers? You never know. Um, I'm surprised they're keeping him. But, you know, hey, they stuck with North Turner way too long than they should have. So that's just the way the Chargers roll. Um, Jeff Fisher, I never like him as a coach. Just why? Just He's basically just, just I don't know. Um, Gus Bradley with the Jaguars. I'm okay with that. And then Jason Garrett, the Cowboys. None of this is his fault um, that they lost this year. It was injuries. I mean, that you know, when you lose your quarterback and your best wide receiver, you're not going to win. I mean, that's just the way it goes. And then the Buffalo Bills are keeping Rex Ryan and Doug Whaley. Um, yes. I mean, so, so none of those guys are probably going anywhere. No, but I mean, if you're going to make the excuse for Jason Garrett in Dallas, why can't Mike McCoy have that same excuse in San Diego? I mean, they they lost Keenan Allen. They lost. I agree. No, a, no. a good he, chunk of their offensive Keenan line. Allen injury was huge for them because when he was in there, you know, I I, I agree uh, to some degree. I just feel like the San Diego Chargers need a lot more than you know. They they just need a lot. I I wonder too if the move to L.A., if they're the one, the ones that are chosen, because all three that are eligible, Oakland, um, San Diego, and St. Louis all um, apply to move to L.A. Um, so <laughs> to their home teams, I'm, the hometowns, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, maybe the move will, will re-energize this franchise. I don't know. It just feels like it's the, it's the forgotten franchise. I sometimes forget that, that that's a team. Oh, that's that East Coast bias that you have. That is not East Coast bias. That's true. Like, the only reason I care this year is because Keenan Allen was on my blog talk radio championship team, by the way, because I did win that league. Um, I'm going to mention that every time I can, James, because it means I beat Pod Vader, and that's always good. Um, but, yeah, no, I just I forget about them. I really do. Well, if I, if I were the Rams, if I was Stan Kroenke, I would basically stand pat unless they say I'm allowed to move. Uh, Stan is the type of person that even if the NFL, if he can't get the 24 votes needed to approve the move, he might just do it anyway and just, you know, go Al Davis on the league at this point. Um, I would move if if I were him. I would. I mean, it makes logistics sense. They originally came from L.A. I yep. mean, they, they were the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, it makes perfect sense. People of L.A. are going, yes, though they won't attend games because there's way better things to do. <laughs> well, um, for the first year, they might. Yeah, they might. I mean, you know, yes. But but uh, what would be interesting there is if they did move to L.A., I mean, if the Saints are really looking for just a second-round pick to get Sean Payton, imagine them moving to L.A. and to sell some tickets. They dump Jeff Fisher, bring in Sean Payton for the second-round pick, and then uh, Sean Payton convinces uh, as an outgoing move to have the Saints cut Drew Brees. So now you've got the St. Louis Rams, well, which would be the L.A. Rams, with that defense led by Aaron Donald and uh, you know the offense with Todd Gurley and then Drew Brees under center. Um, That's a sexy team. Plus, Chris that, that, Long is on that team, and I love Chris Long. Yeah, and that that makes That's the San NFL Francisco <laughs> that makes the San Francisco job even shittier, though. Yeah, but that's good for San Francisco. It's okay for them. I mean, you know, look, they were dominant in the 80s, and this is the price they pay. 
like you know this is what happens when you really get like eventually the Patriots will get their comeuppance and we will all rejoice because it'll be a grand grand time because eventually Brady's knees will give out it's just the way it goes and the Emperor Belichick will be vanquished by a Jedi I know it I know it it will happen uh, uh, Belichick might make it to cyborg technology at which point we're stuck with him for another century I heard I had a um, podcast guest who was it uh, it was Dennis Farrell he said um, for Gronkowski he goes yeah we have a, they have a secret lab underneath the stadium where we're just going to clone like many Gronkowskis I'm like I could see that happening and I'm like so Belichick has a secret lab he goes it's not secret everyone knows about it I'm like okay great so you know I mean that's a problem when your team has this kind of aura around it you know some messed up stuff's gone on. Just, just, just no, no. But whatever. If they're happy, I mean, look. If I had four Super Bowls, I wouldn't care either. I'll be really honest. I'd like cheat away, <laughs> cheat away. <laughs> they're playing with. They're they're beyond playing with house money at this point. Yeah, they're just like they're they're playing with their souls. Like they have sold their souls to God knows what for these these championships. <laughs> That's the only thing I consider because Belichick. He looks like I'm sure he's a nice guy in real life. I'm sure he's pleasant. But football Belichick, there's no soul there. There's no soul there. You can tell. That's why he has to wear that hoodie. I'm not so sure Bill Belichick's a nice guy outside of outside of football. I hope he is. I, I don't. I've never met him, so I don't really want to assume. Um, I haven't heard if he's been mean or not. So um, I, I'm afraid if he smiles, it'd be like you know the devil smiling himself. <laughs> if he's smiling, nothing good has happened. When Emperor Palpatine smiles, it's yes, famous. it's creepy. It's so creepy. Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. Okay, um, real quick because you are a college basketball fan like myself. How's Purdue doing? Well, uh, as we talked about, you know, a couple weeks back, they got into the, uh, uh, the their tougher slate. They lost a couple, but now they've started up the Big Ten schedule. They're looking really good. Uh, they're still around number ten. I think they were fourteenth last time I. Uh, pulled up the college basketball rankings. Um, looking good to kind of sit there throughout Big Ten play and then uh, make a splash in the Big Ten tournament and the uh, March Madness. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for you. I am. Um, right now, Virginia's now only lost two games. The problem is, again, we lost to our bitter in-state rival, Virginia Tech. And the majority of their fans don't even realize they have a basketball team. Um, or that balls come in round shape. They only believe in footballs, and that's fine. I mean, you know, when you have a above-average, subpar team that does really well in a very weak coastal division and beats up on a terrible Virginia team every year, and that's your claim to fame, then, you know, okay, go with it. Go with it. I'm just sitting over here, you know, with Charlottesville in our 23 national championships and going, oh, okay. Um, you know, and again, the reason we lost yesterday was 16 turnovers. It may have been more. I lost count. Um, and just... Just shitty, shitty rebounding, James. Shitty, shitty rebounding. As my um, adorable seven-year-old, I'm biased, um, but she's been learning the term box out because she thinks it's funny when mommy's yelling, butts on bodies, butts on bodies. Um, <laughs> so she's like, mommy, let's put butts on bodies. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Slow your roll there, kid. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so Virginia will bounce back. I mean, you know, it happens. Every... This is the way I look at it, James. And I can't believe I'm saying this. This is how desperate I am um, for Virginia to win a national championship in basketball. Is that last year, Duke lost to some shitty um, ACC teams. And they won a national championship. So if this is the price I have to pay to win a national championship is we have to lose to Virginia Tech. I'm okay with it. That's worth the I'm, price of admission? It is worth the price of admission. That That is what I'm going with right now. That's the only thing keeping my sanity and not wanting to scream at my guys going, what the hell happened? Ugh, so gross. 
Like at least you have an excuse. If if you guys, you probably won't lose to Indiana this year. But if you do, it's Indiana. I mean, you know, they they uh, named you know it's Indiana. I'm sorry. There was a movie about them with Gene Hackman. That's all that matters. Yes, there was a movie about them. That's their claim to fame. Well, and Bob Knight. Well, yeah. I mean, you can only throw the chair across the floor so many times. No, I think you can throw the chair across the floor all the time if you're in Indiana. Like, I think they, they still wish Bob Knight were their coach. That was the dumbest thing they ever did was fire him. Oh. Uh, what do you think of the new shot clock in college basketball? I love it. Um, again, because Virginia plays a slower-paced game, it forces opponents to try to take some really bad shots. So I'm seeing a lot more shot clock violations, which is always fun in Virginia. We celebrate those, and we tap our heads, and we're screaming and yelling like crazy people. Like We get more excited about defense than we do offense. We're, we're nuts. Um, but, yeah, I think that it's, it's it was the right move. I'm not happy with some of the um, new, like, charge calls and some of the moving um, screen things. That's driving me nuts. Yeah. I mean, the subjective calls are always bad. Well, yeah, we'll call them bad. Uh, it, it's harder to enforce. And anytime you have, like, that transition year when they change a one subjective call to the next, it's... It, it's always frustrating. It just never seems consistently enforced. Yeah, I'm just glad that you know. Again, college football's running running down. Um, again, I'm was very bored this bowl season, like so many people. I mean, it just wasn't. It's just too many bowls and just bad matchups. I think in the playoffs, to be honest. Um, so I'm not. I'm I'm excited. Basketball's back because again, it's my happy place. College basketball for me is the best sport. The fans are the best. The games are the best. I mean, anybody who did not see that amazing Oklahoma and Kansas game last night with the triple overtime, you missed out on one of the classic games of all time. It was an incredible game. Those teams, I mean, duped it out. It was like a, a Frazier Ali matchup, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It was absolutely fantastic um, to watch and. Um, Kansas barely pulled out that win. So if you're a Bo- if you're a Sooners fan, do not be discouraged. You guys played great, and um, it, it was like a Final Four matchup. To be really honest, yeah. I mean, if you're a Sooners fan, you should be a little discouraged. You are in Oklahoma, but uh, <laughs> but outside of that, yeah, it's, it's it's a quality basketball team. They do have an awesome musical named after them, though. <laughs> Yes, but they're one of only two states that have uh, uh, by law 3.2% alcohol by volume beer. That's all they're allowed to have? If you serve it cold, yes. Them in Utah. Wow. That's terrible. Wow. So they can't have, like, your not your dad's root beer? Uh, they can. You just have to buy it warm from the store and then refrigerate it yourself. Because that just ruins the beer. <laughs> that ruins the beer. It's supposed to be cold. Yeah, it, wow. it really is. That's dumb. Oklahoma, that's dumb. Fix that now. So many problems. And they probably can't buy beer on Sundays either. Uh, I don't recall. They do have some drive through liquor stores, though. I lived in, I lived in wait, Oklahoma wait, wait, for, for okay, a while. Okay. They won't let you have fully strength beer, but they'll let you drive through liquor stores to buy it. Well, yeah, absolutely. Those are two separate things. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. States are nuts. States are nuts. All right, James, if Galpa Nation wants to talk um, or help you get through um, Saturday's game um, on Twitter, where should they go? Uh, it is Boiler underscore James. That's right, for Boilermaker, because that's what you are. You're a Boilermaker. Yep, I, I traded in my international man of mystery to become just a Boilermaker this time around. I know. It's kind of fun. Like, I'm glad you came back on the show. And he volunteered. He was like, hey, Ramona, if you need somebody, I'm like, good. It made me so I didn't have to do any work. So it's very exciting. But Gal Pal Nation, let me preview something for you. 
I am doing two shows this week. Now, I know I said last week I'm only doing one show a week from now on. However, I'd already booked James, and I knew he'd be fantastic, and we needed to break down the wildcard games. We absolutely had to do that. However, at the last minute... I have the most amazing guests coming on to the podcast tomorrow night. So you get two episodes of the Sports Gal Pal. I'm completely geeking out about this podcast guest. I'm not saying who it is just in case he has to cancel because you never know. Things happen. So because I don't want egg on my face. But I'm just saying that I am so bleeping excited. You have no idea. So I'm going to tell you this a little hint. You can hit me up on Twitter at SportsGalPal. If you think you know it, let me know. Um, But he is on a major television network. He's really into baseball, and he's really into movies. So that's all I'm going to say. He's absolutely fantastic, just like James, but I'm very excited to have him on. Like, like when I found out, I literally jumped around my office like a crazy woman and then called my husband. And it's the first guest my husband was like, wow. So there you go, Gal Pal Nation. There you go. So I'm very excited. So James, be excited for me. This is, it's, it's monumental news. James knows who it is, but he's not going to share. Uh, I will definitely have to tune in for it, though. Yes, no, it's very exciting. I'm, I'm thrilled and very nervous. So hopefully um, I do Galpon Nation proud with my giant interview. And one more thing, Galpon Nation, you guys know that I love me some Mikey Rupert on the Cooper and Rupert podcast. The guys were nice enough to invite me onto their 100th episode. It was last night. So they tape on the West Coast. They're in LA. And um, so at midnight, like it's only like nine something for you guys on the West Coast. Um, I'm still up after that triple overtime and after that devastating UVA loss talking to Mikey and Doug. So that just shows how much I love them, um, but check them out. They're, they are my absolute all-time favorite sports podcast, period. They are two guys in an apartment just breaking down sports so we guys do. I absolutely love it. You need to check it out. I've told you guys over and over again. I'll tell you again, and I've got a mad podcasting crush on Mikey Rupert, though Doug is very charming, too. i got to give some shout-outs to Doug. He kind of, James, said um, that I give too much love to Mikey because I've had him on my show twice, whereas I've only had, I haven't had Doug on yet, but I didn't realize Doug even knew who I existed. So we're going to fix that and have Doug on the podcast soon. But well, I think that's on Doug. He has to reach out and he has to... Yeah, he has, he has to... to woo the sports gal pal. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Like, again, James reached out. Look, granted, James had to get through the firing squad of the sports gal pal first before I acknowledged him as a super fan. Well done. Um, you are official super fan because you've been on twice now. Um, but, you know, yeah. 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 Thank you. I'm not going to feel guilty about not reaching out to Doug. Doug, Mikey reached out to me. Mikey wooed me. Mikey got me. So if you want to go on the Sports Gal Pal, I need a little, like, you know, woo. That's okay. I'm perfectly allowed with it. Good good call, James. Good, good call. Excellent. Well, if you want to hear any more of our good calls on Next Fan Up, be sure to check us out online as well. That's right. It's blogtalkradio.com forward slash next fan up. You can see all their previews, or at least the ones that the guys submit, um, because some are more committed than others. Um, and actually, there won't be that many because it's only playoff time. Um, but it's on facebook.com forward slash next fan up. You can also follow them on Twitter at NFU podcast. Um, and again, you'll see me bantering back and forth with the guys all year long. Like today, Sam and I went at it about college basketball because, well, yeah, he just can't help himself. 
He's a something, something, something. So anyway, but yes, definitely check them out. They're going to be doing some great coverage of the playoffs throughout the season. And then once the season ends, they do some awesome shows getting you guys ready. NFL never stops in this crazy world we live in. So definitely check out the guys. And James, once again, thank you so much for being an awesome podcast guest. And good luck this weekend. I really hope the Texans, because I think the Texans are great. J.J. Watt is a super sexy, sexy man. You probably think he's sexy for way different things than I do. Um, But yes, I I really want J.J. Watt to succeed, just so I can see what J.J. Watt play. Because it's J.J. Watt, and my God. Well, we have a common enemy in Andy Reid. Thank you very much for having me on again. Thanks for listening to the Sports Gal Pal podcast. And be sure to check out sportsgalpal.com.